besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Black cap number 266. One day international uh, cap 183 and uh, renamed this morning in the black caps to tour Australia. And when I say to tour Australia, to go to Cairns actually for three one day internationals um, starting on the 6th, I believe. Matt Henry, good morning to you. Good morning, Tony. How you doing? Yeah, cool, mate. Very, very good. Uh, and obviously, you're pretty good now. You're back on the fold. That's good news. Yeah, no, it's good. It was a bit, bit frustrating having a bit of an injury, but um, yeah, good to be back in the mixer. Okay, right. Let's uh, look at uh, what the injury was. And, um, you know, I, if I understand it right, it was in the rib area and uh, fast bowlers with rib problems. Not a good thing. No, not ideal. No, so yeah, I had a bit of a strain in my internal oblique and a bit of swelling around that bottom rib. So with the the nature of the short tour, um, yeah, it was, it was the right call to 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 get home and get it right for the series. So uh, what do you do in terms of uh, a rib injury? I mean, you have physio, etc. But um, how do you know you're fully fit? I mean, uh, have have you had to have fitness tests as such? Yeah, so the the main thing was just getting the. Um, Internal oblique sort of, so just resting that to let that settle, and and with the rib, just um, making sure that I've passed the fitness tests and whatnot. I'm lucky enough uh, here in Christchurch, we've got the, the the grass nets available out at Lincoln, so I've been able to pull out there and um, yeah, and, and just get back into my work. Okay, so the weather's been good enough for you to do that. I, I was more thinking that you might be at the new Hadley Sports Centre. Have you tried that out? Oh, I haven't had the opportunity yet. Just with bowling, getting on the grass has been quite important for me. But um, talking to the guys, it's an absolutely unbelievable facility. And um, everyone's been loving being able to, to just be down the road by Hagley and, and use that centre. Well, the interesting thing about it for me is often, Matt, uh, when you're looking at uh, indoor facilities, you really, from a fast bowling point of view, you don't really have that uh, good a run-up opportunity because the, the, yeah, there isn't enough area for it but uh, I understand in this one there's uh, up to a 20 metre run up facility which makes it a, a different proposition Yeah it, it's a bit of a game changer having uh, indoors where you can like you said actually get off pretty much your full run um, and just being uh, new as well I think everyone's just really enjoyed the facilities one is great and then just the location of being right there at Hagley Park I'm sure once we get out on grass and be able to have both access to both will be an absolute game changer for us. Right on the subject of uh, Hadley, it's the Chapel Hadley, of course, uh, up for grabs, and it's been a little while since you've been able to play for it. I think the last uh, series was going to be uh, the one that was going to be played in front of no people um, in Australia, and yeah. it was canned after one of those matches. So it's been a while. It has been a while, and it's fun. That I think, you know, from a playing point of view, it's probably the, one of the most exciting series to be a part of. So. I know that we're really looking forward to it. I'm sure um, everyone's looking forward to, to watching it too. Played cricket in Cairns before, Matt? No, I haven't. So this will be a first time. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think most guys are looking forward to getting North Queensland and, and getting up there to um, play, some, play some cricket in Cairns. 
What do you know about the, the conditions up there? It's generally pretty warm up there, isn't it? Yeah, well, talking to um, Shane Jurgensen, who um, knows the conditions a bit better, he said that it, it should be nice and warm up there, um, and there could be a bit of rain, but you'd, you'd hope that it'll be a, a more on the warmer side. Well, the ball, um, with that kind of uh, moisture around uh, in the air and the heat, then uh, that may well lead to uh, a little bit of swing. Now, um, you, you're back in, the, in the, a squad which uh, consists of uh, five quick bowlers. Uh, is, what's your preference, Matt? Are, are you a, new, a preferred new ball, white, white ball bowler? Yeah, I think that's something I've done for quite a while now. And, um, I, I do like having that new ball in hand and um, just trying to attack and make sure you're trying to get get wickets up top I think and white ball cricket now to taking wickets is so important to stem and fly runs and, and kind of dictate the game so especially one day cricket um, that's that's probably my preference but I mean that's the beauty of having the depth in the squad is sometimes you adapt and you have to um, you have to kind of uh, just do what, what the team needs at the time Okay well uh, let's look at who you're up against in particular and that is a, a batting lineup which is uh it's pretty imposing. Uh, you look at uh, Finch at the top of the order with uh, with Warner, uh, and then you look at uh, Steve Smith following on, and then uh, whoever else after that. So bowling plans to uh, an Australian top order. I mean, it's not as if you haven't bowled to them before, but do you have to keep reviewing them? Oh, of course. I think you're always trying to um, find ways and little chinks in, there in, in the, the opposition's armour, and I think that's the, with them playing... But they've got three matches before us as well, so to be able to better watch those games and see how they are tracking, and, and probably put some plans in place um, um, closer to the time. Yeah, well, you know they're going to come at you. I um, mean, you know a, a guy like David Warner is just not going to sit back. So, do you do you sit back or do you attack him? I mean, what is the theory around uh, David Warner over the wicket, round the wicket? I mean, he's been around so long now. Yeah, no. Well, that's the. This thing with David Warner, he's obviously a world-class player, and he's um, and, and white ball especially is he can be quite destructive. So I think it's it's probably not going into with too many preconceived ideas. You're still trying to bowl your best stuff and and and, and get him out. Um, so first and foremost, your plan is is how am I going to get him out? And then if he is getting away, well then you can obviously readjust and whether you're coming around the wicket or over the wicket and and, and trying to contain him to to be able to just put pressure back on him really. Steve Smith, uh, and um, to me, very, very dangerous player, obviously, with his record, etc., but quite unusual player to bowl to as well with some of his um, idiosyncrasies. Yeah, very, very different, um, but but very effective, as we've seen over the years. He's uh, one of the best batsmen in the world for a reason, um, and I, I think, like I said before, it's, it's, it's a similar plan. You've got to get these guys out. Um, I think they're, they're seriously talented players, and and they can be dangerous, and they've got a very powerful middle order. So I think if we can get to their middle order early, um, you set yourself up for a good chance. I often wonder when it comes to bowling plans and you get uh, people like Shane Jurgensen alongside you, do, you, do you have a collective bowling plan, or is your plan to David Warner different to, say, Trent Bolt's plan to David Warner? Or, is, or do you always all sort of on the same, the same wavelength as such? Yeah, well, I think there's an overriding plan that you're how you're trying to attack him um, and then you kind of peel back from there because we all have different strengths so then you're looking into what's my best way of um, executing that plan which can look slightly different to what Trent would do or um, what Lockie will do as well so like you're just making sure that 
you've got a, an idea of, of how you're wanting to go about your work and then you're doing it in the best fashion that suits you to give yourself the best chance of getting them out. Where does the Chapel Hadley trophy rate, rate for you guys? Oh, it's right up there. Um, I know I, I can speak for myself, really, but um, as a kid, you grow up watching the Chapel Hadley. Um, it was always an exciting series, and there's something about playing the Aussies. You always enjoy it and, and, and get up for those games. So, yeah, it's, it's a big series for us and, and one we definitely look forward to playing. Matt Henry, uh, can we talk about uh, your personal uh, career as such? Um, we've just seen uh, Trent Bolt make a, a big call to uh, go away from his central contract with New Zealand cricket. Of course, you've got one as well. Have you thought about um, life going forward as such? I mean, the the ongoing um, existence or creation, really, of, of new leagues around the world. Is that something you look at closely? Oh, I think the with new leagues growing around the world, that's the way um, there's, there's plenty of opportunity out there. But for me, um, just for me right now, playing for New Zealand's um, really important for me and it's something that I know that I'm happy with and, and enjoying. So um, I can't really speak on my behalf in that, those ones. But yeah, like, like this is where I'm, I'm very happy and I've enjoyed my time with New Zealand so far and I just hope that it continues. Do you put your, your hat in the ring for T20 leagues though? I mean, do you, do you go in drafts as such? Um, yeah, you do and you don't. I think it, for, for me it's been more around um, what my schedules look like and, and yeah. what my goals are, I suppose, around if there's a World Cup getting prepared for or well, what's my best avenue to go down, whether that's playing county cricket or, or whatnot. So that's the way I've probably um, gone about, about it for me. Um, I've had a couple of stints in the IPL as well, which I've really enjoyed my time early on in my career and um, that's something you always um, look forward to to try to be involved in but um, yeah my past has been slightly different to the others and for me actually playing a more volume based cricket and, and county cricket has been more the road that I've gone down And tell us about your association with Kent I noticed you, you had a brief stint um, again after that very successful stint do you look to continue that association is there an opportunity for, for you to go back there? Yeah I've really enjoyed my time uh, playing for Kent uh, going uh, to live in Canterbury, which is a beautiful space in in, in, in England, and yeah, I, I mean, fingers crossed, I can when I, the windows give them the opportunity and, and you can go play cricket, it's great. But with the schedule getting a bit more condensed, it does uh, make it look a little bit tougher to find those windows. So just kind of planning forward and and seeing what what's available at the time and and what's best for my cricket. Cricket grounds are uh, a bit of a subject at the moment. There's uh, all sorts of talk about the future of uh, Pukekura Park in particular, and that is, uh, it's got its little um, little traits that are quite unusual for cricket grounds. But of course, so did uh, so did uh, Kent with uh, Canterbury that, and, and the famed tree in the outfield. So, can you tell us a wee bit about the history of that? People are quite intrigued when they hear that there's an actual tree, or there was a tree growing in in the in the, the outfield, and of course, um, the rules around the tree. Yeah, I, I wasn't there for when the the tree was still in play. Um, but yeah, so they, the, the tree is still it's been relocated. It's there, but it's not on the ground, um, so it doesn't play any part of the the actual the field itself. But I'm, I'm led to believe that if it hit the tree, that was automatic runs, wasn't it? You'll probably know more than me, Smitty. Well, I'm I'm, I'm not sure actually. I don't think you can get caught out of it. 
if you know what I mean. No. If, a, if a ball sort of lod- is in the tree and then it drops down slowly, you can't sort of sit underneath it and catch a batsman out because of that. But I'm not quite sure about the rule of, of runs, etc. So it was, it was yeah. just... What about Pukakura Park? Would you be? I mean, from a bowling point of view, I'm not sure. Would you be sad to see that go? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's, it's such a beautiful ground. Um, I think from a bowler's point of view, I know all the boys uh, turning out there was always a bit nerve-wracking with the tiny boundaries. Um, but yeah, it, it's always a shame when you when you lose ground, um, and you just hope that, uh, like you're talking about before, that if they can get the facilities up to standard and and, and get those improvements made that it will um, one day be used for cricket again. Ben Sears was called into um, the squad for the West Indies, didn't make an appearance over there as such, but has been included in the squad as well. And also, of course, you've got Lockie Ferguson in the group. So uh, there is, uh, if, the, if there's a bit of spice, there is a bit of pace in the group. Tell us a wee bit about Ben Sears. Uh, uh, not many people know too much about him. Yeah, no, Ben's very exciting. Um, just obviously when you get... Young fast bowlers with with pace. It's always um, great to have them on your side. I think, and he's early in, early stages in his career. And um, when you've got that out and out gas, uh, it's just great to watch. So um, yeah, no, absolutely thrilled for him to be involved in the squad. And um, yeah, he'll be looking forward to an opportunity. So uh, what are we now? Thursday. What's the plan? When do you travel? Yeah, so we'll we'll travel. Um, mid to late next week and um, for me the plan for me is just to carry on doing my work here in Christchurch and, and bowling and, and, and just preparing best I can for the series coming up so I know the other guys have just touched back down in New Zealand today so they'll have a few days at home, have the weekend here in New Zealand watching All Blacks and then they'll be back on the plane ready for Australia um, In terms of uh, Canterbury this year, you're playing, uh, you're, you'll be playing for Canterbury uh, when available, I would imagine. How's the Canterbury squad coming together at this point? Yeah, really good, actually. Um, we've had a, a good, good last couple of seasons um, with a bit of success in there as well. So it's a, it's a happy group that um, with, with a lot of experience now, actually, which is the exciting piece. We've played together for quite a long time and, um, yeah, I haven't caught up with many of the guys um, since I've been home, but I know they've been back in training and uh, using facilities, and they'll be—I'm sure—they'll be looking forward to the warmer weather and getting into some more outdoor cricket. Just finally, uh, we fell at the last hurdle of uh, the last Cricket World Cup, of course, uh, in England, which I suppose you still uh, wake up in the middle of the night sometimes thinking about. But um, the, the next one's not too far away, Matt. It's—it's uh, it's in India. Um, very, very different conditions, but. Uh, obviously, uh, a score to settle. Last two finals, um, a, a job still to be done. Yeah, I mean, the, the last couple of World Cups have been um, been in the finals, but yeah, still haven't managed to get the hands on the trophy. So it's something that obviously we will be looking forward to um, going to India and, and and doing our best to to play there. We know it's tough over there, and and it's completely different style of cricket as well. So. Um, we will be looking forward to that and it's great to have uh, more one day cricket uh, with that Super League in the last uh, last set, last year as well so no, it's great to see more ODI cricket being played and um, yeah, we'll be looking forward to preparing for that World Cup Yep, I hope it doesn't uh, die like a lot of people are forecasting I think it's the, the form of the game that's under pressure although some people are saying Test cricket is as well let's hope uh, there's room for all three mate and uh, all the best with uh, your continued uh, 
involvement with uh, the Black Caps. Nice to see you back and uh, fit and rearing to go and uh, enjoy enjoy Cairns. Awesome. Thanks very much. Appreciate it, Smitty. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Matt Henry there, of course, uh, out of uh, Canterbury, missing out um, on the tour to the West Indies because of a rib injury. And uh, honestly, I can tell you, rib injuries for fast bowlers there are things you do not want to mess with because once the cartilages and things get involved, uh, uh, it takes a lot of healing. So good to know that he's uh, fully back and available and uh, rearing to go for the Black Caps on that three-match tour, uh, which uh, the first game is on the 6th of September. Not too far away. It is 9.22 here on SENZ. With Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, just looking uh, at that uh, particular squad, if you uh, haven't heard, it was released by New Zealand uh, uh, New Zealand Cricket very early this morning. Uh, Kane Williamson back in the side as captain. Uh, Finn Allen, Trent Bolt, uh, which is uh, good to see him available for that. Michael Bracewell, Devin Conway, Lockie Ferguson, Martin Guptill, Matt Henry, who we've just talked to, of course, Tom Latham is the only specialist wicketkeeper in the squad as such, has been our one-day wicketkeeper for quite some time. Uh, Daryl Mitchell, Jimmy Neesham back again, I, I like that. Jim, uh, Glenn Phillips, Mitchell Santner, Ben Sears and uh, Tim Southey. So initially for me, uh, the Ricardo, of course, you've got the two genuine pace bowlers. Uh, this uh, young Ben Sears, who we've seen not much of, but is rated very highly, and Lockie Ferguson. And In Australia, you generally need uh, a little bit of pace and bounce. How important do you think uh, Southey and Bolt are going to be in Cairns? I mean, we don't really know, the, but I would assume that's going to hoop around a bit with the humidity up there. I would be thinking so as well. Uh, I, I would, you know, um, it's it's new ground from our point of view. Australia, it's not for Australia. Australia have played, they tend to play sides like uh, Zimbabwe or, or Bangladesh in previous years, um, sort of the lesser lights without being too rude. Uh, and taking them because they, they're not going to get big crowds at the SCG or the MCG uh, for those fixtures, but they will. Uh, now, this ground is um, Casales Stadium in Cairns. It's got a capacity of around about 13,000. So, it, you know, it's probably a nice boutique type ground for this, this kind of uh, uh, fixture, and particularly too at this time of the year with uh, most of the major grounds, of course, are still being involved with uh, the dual-purpose grounds involved with AFL, of course, um, or or rugby league or rugby union, Ricardo. So it's a it's a it's quite a nice fixture, and and um, I think it'll be pretty well received up there. So I I, I look forward to that. I, I like Jimmy Neesham in the mix. I like that, and uh, you know we're we're really establishing a nice little group of uh, what I class to be good all rounders, you know, and genuine all rounders. Michael Bracewell, Daryl Mitchell. I'd love to see him bowl a wee bit more, but they're a bit reticent to use him. Uh, Jimmy Neesham, of course, and then Mitchell Santner. There's a nice group of four, a nucleus developing there. Yeah, I mean, you could probably throw Glenn Phillips into that mix as well because he, he, he's bowling a bit of offy now. He's a bit more aggressive with it. But I did wonder, looking at the Aussie squad, they've got Adam Zampa in there. We don't have a leggy. We've got three orthodox offies. So have we, have we missed a trick, Noah Sodi? Uh, yeah, I, I think um, Ish Sodi. Now, he, here's an interesting one for me, Ish Sodi. If I'm East Sodi now, I've had enough mm. uh, in terms of the revolving door policy of in, out, one game out, one game back in, out, out of this tour, back in. Uh, I am, uh, and he has played in the Big Bash before quite successfully with the Adelaide. I would be, if I'm East Sodi, seriously considering if he's got a manager, I do not know, but putting my name in every T20 draft around the world and thinking that um, if, if I get to that point, um, and I get some decent gigs, uh, I might be looking at the Trent Bolt way to go. Uh, he's one for me because he's probably, 
I mean, if I'm him, uh, I've had enough, you know? Yeah. I've bowled a million, million overs in the nets to batsmen, etc. I've travelled around the world, but I really haven't cracked it, and they haven't really given me a decent run at it for various reasons. So, I mean, if, if for instance, if, if Tim Southey bowls and, and every now and then gets knocked for 60 off 10, mm. 70 off 10, which can happen, um, he stays in the side. Uh, so he goes for 60 or 70 off 10, gone. Yeah. Gone like that. You know, and so it, uh, it's horses for courses in, in that regard. But if I'm Mish Sodi, uh, I'm thinking about shopping around, to be perfectly honest. It is uh, 9.30 here on SENZ. It's time for some news now with Araha. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Yep, uh, that's the number, 800 We welcome your calls now. Uh, what do you think of, is going to happen with the naming of the uh, All Black side to play Argentina? Uh, that will be named to, today, being Thursday. And then, uh, of course, um, what will we, Ian Foster do? What will we see with the influence of uh, Joe Smith coming in hands-on, really, for the first time alongside Ian Foster? We know that he was there, uh, of course, going into... Um, you know, the, the first test against Ireland uh, because uh, Ian Foster was not able to be with the group. So uh, Joe Smith was uh, was uh, seconded in to do that job and uh, obviously they did it pretty well. That was their best uh, home performance of, of the winter. Uh, and now, of course, they resume that um, those home performances against the side that is a little bit dangerous in the, in the respect that you just don't quite know. They're a little bit mini French for me, the Argentinians. Uh, when the French turn up and they're in the mood, it's, it's very little they can do to stop them. Argentina, you can probably do a bit more to stop them, but they're certainly a challenge. And now they've got the bit between their teeth with a thumping, a 48-17 thumping uh, of uh, the Wallabies in that last Test match. They've got to be riding pretty high. Um, so we'll be talking to David Kidwell, actually, David Kidwell, um, after 10 o'clock this morning. David Kidwell, of course, you remember him. Uh, he was a Kiwi, a Kiwi's coach. Uh, they dragged him out of the Eels, actually, um, this year. Brad Arthur let him go. And uh, he was offered the opportunity to buy Michael Checker to be the Argentinian uh, defence coach, Los Pumas defence coach. Uh, so this will be really interesting to find out how that came about and how he's um, managing. Uh, Joey from uh, Auckland. Uh, Joey, good day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good, Tommy. Yeah, oh, you took a bit of thunder out of me, me call when you were talking about the all-rounders for the cricket. Oh, I tend to agree with you. You know, um, Williamson can go to, um, you know, two or three now. And if, if one's not bowling that that good, he can just he, he's got he's got big options, you know, to go to um, as I say, as two or three other other guys, and um, it's it's really good to see our depth that we're we're building with uh, with the team, you know, and and all aspects uh, of the uh, of the cricket, you know, and and I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, to the World Cup, and like you said uh, a few uh, few days ago, so I think we've got a real big show. Of, um, of winning that. Well, Joey, I, I like our chances because of um, of certain areas of, of the squad. And, and I'm also talking the T21 and the one-day international one because I don't see anyone in that one-day international squad that's going to Cairns who, apart from Trent Bolt, who won't be available, uh, all going well uh, fitness-wise, who will not be available to go to the, T, uh, the uh, 50-over World Cup in India in 12 months' time. Joey, so I, I like uh, the way. The reason I like the look of um, those all-rounders is every one of them in, in recent times, very recent times, has proven to be a match winner. 
Michael Bracewell, okay, uh, against Ireland. Uh, not one of the powerhouses, but still got the job done. Daryl Mitchell, we've seen him do it on a regular basis. Jimmy Neesham, we know that he can do that. And Mitchell Santner. And they were able to do that with the bat as well. And that's why I like the look of uh, that group, Joey. Yeah, Smithy, the thing with, with Fody is is probably looking at it, and I know where you're coming from there, um, but, you know, if he goes for 50 or 60, um, then when it comes to batting, uh, you know, if, you, if you've, you've got some of them there, they might go for, for uh, 40 or 50 or 60, but they can also bat like Saudi can, can bat a bit. And no disrespect to Saudi, but, you know, and maybe they're looking at that and going, well, you know, hey, at least... Saudi can come in and possibly, you know, hit 20 or 30, you know. And, and, and I know Saudi has done that, but he is in and out. Um, and, and it's just one of those things, too. Don't forget we've got the other spinner as well. So do you, do you have uh, two spinners and drop a, um, an all-rounder? As, as you said, a, a game-breaker. You know, I'm not... Has Saudi gone out there and gone, right, he's won a game for us, like you just said, with the other guys? Probably not. And that's nothing against them. Uh, it's just the way it is. And if you're looking at it, it's the same as two of us a Sheik. If you're looking at him and, and, and playing him in the second 5-8, he's got to look at it, and, and so do the All Blacks look at it, and they go, OK, at the moment, he's probably not as good as uh, David Havili. Um, he doesn't probably doesn't bring what David Havili brings to us. He probably doesn't bring what Quinton Tupaya brings to us. His time will come, but and he's just got to re- realise that. They've got to just have a chat to him and say, hey, mate, you know, at the moment... Um, we need to win these games because if the All Blacks played him, for instance, against Aussie or Argentina and lost, what would we be saying? We'd be blaming the coach again. So you've got to get it right at the moment. He can play against the lesser sides and his time will come. I, I, I totally agree uh, it will come, but I think he also needs to play rugby, Joey, you know, to be perfectly honest. I, I, I think that's that's what's going to help his development is actually playing lots and lots of 80-minute games of rugby uh, from first whistle to uh, last whistle and uh, absorbing all that comes his way and creating all that he can. So for me, uh, I don't think it's doing him... Uh, I know he knows how to be an all-black now. He knows what's required to be an all-black. He knows the disciplines. He knows the methods, etc. But he needs rugby for me, Joey. That's That's the thing. He's got to be playing rugby. Yeah, but okay, so he, yeah, but he is at the moment. He's playing in the NPC, which is at the moment fantastic. I yeah. mean, we got rolled by by the bot last week, you know, which is I mean, the, and and Canary got rolled. You know, you, you turn around just 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 with the rugby with the NPC at the moment. Pick a side you think can win it. There could be there's mm. four sides, five sides that can win it. And he is playing NPC at the moment. You did right. He needs to keep playing that. He needs to keep playing for Auckland and and just and just plugging away and then and see what happens after that. Good on you, Joey. Really enjoyed talking to you. Love your theories and uh, so looking forward to this uh, uh, Chapel Hadley series as as well. Three matches coming out of Cairns beginning on the uh, 6th of September going through to, uh, I think, the 11th or 12th. Uh, Dean, Dino from Dunedin. Uh, Good morning to you, Dino. We have uh, got an All Blacks uh, side uh, being named later today, but uh, you want to talk about uh, Pukakura Park, maybe? Yeah, I do, mate. Look, I mean, I'm I'm not a cricket tragic as such, but I still watch as much of it as I sort of can, and well, it's, it's, it's a cool name for a ground, if nothing else, but you, you, the radio program are advertising ground mainnets from some tariff outfit, I'm sorry I can't remember their name, I should, because it's, it's a good wee plug for them, but 
beaming of the TV show doing up dressing shed. So surely between the two of you, you can get this sorted and help across the line. Like we, we throw good money after bad on Eden Park. It's the worst ground in the world. It's a shocker. Look at the shape of the stupid thing. You're miles away from anything. It's useless for cricket. It's horrible to watch rugby, but it just costs so much to build a decent stadium in Auckland. But stop spending money on Eden Park. Well, that would help. Little grounds like Pukakura Park. I mean, I don't know. Is it any bigger than the Oval and Dunedin? We've got a great little cricket ground here. I just drove past it. I was basking in sunshine. No one's playing any cricket, but that's the way it is. But it's, we can't. These sort of grounds, we just can't let them go. Like, if, if, if why do they have to have a world size dimension for a ground if that's the stumbling point? Like, for me, People have already got statistics at the ground, so that that stays with them forever. So it's just the way it is. If you're lucky enough to get 300 at Pukakura Park because the boundary's not very far, so what? You know, totally agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, you know, every now and then, um, if you get a decent pitch and short boundaries, the bowlers are going to go for plenty, and they'll whinge and moan about it. But so be it. Then they'll come. Uh, you'll get a, a pitch uh, where they will come in and it's green and it's not conducive really to playing a lot of shots and they'll dominate the day. They don't mind those days, the bowlers, I can promise you that. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you, Dean. I'm totally with you uh, on that theory. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it, compare it to um, University Oval. I'm just trying to think here. University Oval is certainly the, the square boundaries, the, the one square of the wicket, are a lot longer. Um, uh, they're a lot bigger than that dimension. Behind the bowlers, straight down the ground, not hugely much uh, bigger, I wouldn't have thought, than Pukakura Park. I mean, uh, you know, we did see, of course, uh, I've played um, Taranaki, Taranaki have played two games of rugby there already this year. Uh, so it's long enough for uh, a rugby field and a decent in goal area. So you can get the idea of the length of it. Yeah, totally. Like, I, it just, it sort of, these decisions get made by people that I think, really, well, who's, who's gaining from it, first and foremost? Like, it's, we need little grounds. Like, Cricket, if, if it's green tops all the time, you won't have a game. Like, no one wants to watch. No one talks about 26 all out. They talk about 300 chase and 306 won the game. And the ball gun over the fence is what the punter wants to see. You know, the bowler just, they're going to get bad days. But at the end of the day, you'll get more people in the ground if the bowlers have more bad days than good days. Clearly, you want to win the game. But mm. they want to see the ball being hit. That's why this 2020 stuff is taking over. Because it's it all uh, Yeah. I, I totally agree, Dino. Uh, I thank you for your call this morning. Uh, probably uh, hear from you tomorrow prior to uh, the All Black test, hopefully. So um, your thoughts on uh, that All Black side, it'll be named tomorrow. I've got to get across to, to Zade now because, uh, Zade, uh, you got a couple of theories as well on the Black Caps and the All Blacks team naming, mate. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, I lo- absolutely love the... Um the uh, Black Caps tour of West Indies. You, you guys had a great commentary team. Um, I thought uh, a few of the West Indies boys were quite good. Um, and Adam McLean, he sounded like quite a good commentator. I've never heard of him before, but um, sounded quite quite good on the radio actually. But um, you know, always funny listening to the West Indies how fast they talk. It's kind of just a different <laughs> version of English, really, isn't it? It's just a fast version of England. Um, but interesting. I'm not sure what your theories are as well. But there's this new 60. 60- 60 ball comp starting. I'm sure there will be a, few, a lot of people that aren't fans of it, but I'm pretty sure it's just warm-ups of CPL and there's going to be a lot of new form formats of cricket. You know, you've got the 100 in England, but it's just the way cricket's going, I guess. 
Oh, look, it is Zade, um, and a lot of the players are just guns for hire now, um, you know, as opposed to uh, being uh, aligned to their particular countries. Uh, the West Indies are probably the forerunners of this. So many of their uh, top-line players we did not see in the recent series because they uh, are committed to doing other things and saving uh, their strength and their fitness, yeah. etc., for being able to play uh, the T20 leagues around the world. It'll be well, interesting it, it, to see how the 60-ball game goes, actually. It's a West Indies invention, but will they get the players, will they get the support, and will they find a, a decent window with all these T20 leagues coming in? Well, it's so easy you now to travel around the world playing T20 cricket. You can, like, there's pretty much probably much a league every month now around the world, pretty much. I mean, if you're a good uh, T20 cricketer now, the world uh, literally is uh, a, a pathway to the bank. It's as simple as that, Zaid. Thank you very much, uh, mate, for your call this morning. Uh, we've got to head to a break very, uh, because uh, we've got other things to do uh, in the hour as well, including a multi before 10 o'clock. It is now 9.46. Did, uh, anyone else notice the All Blacks game is starting at 7.45 instead of 7.05? Yes, uh, we've noticed that, and uh, Ricardo Ball will tell us why. Yeah, it is because uh, the Wallabies versus South Africa in Adelaide is kicking off at 3 o'clock local time, which is 5.30 our time. So uh, we used to have the Wallabies play after us, but they're actually playing before us, and that's why it's pushed the, the kickoff back. And uh, for you Black Ferns fans as well, it means that the Black Ferns Wallaroos uh, will be kicking off at 2.45 New Zealand time uh, in Adelaide as well. So what a feast of international rugby that is uh, on Sky. You can just uh, what, sit down around about 2.45 and probably not get up till <laughs> around about um, 9.30, um, even a bit later than that. So 7.45, yeah, that game, they're, they're tending to go at least 100 minutes, over 100 minutes now. Then with a bit of half time thrown in, uh, you're looking at yeah, quite a late finish in terms of Christchurch, uh, Ricardo. But... Uh, a feast of international rugby. Yeah, it is. And actually, if you time it well and you've got enough brownie points in the bag, you can hit the couch at one because there's a live Heartland Championship game between, I think it's Thames Valley and West Coast, is the uh, is the one o'clock kickoff. And that's for the centenary of Thames Valley as well as Swamp Foxes. And I've got a sneaking suspicion there's a Ranfurly Shield challenge at 2.05. Mm. Uh, Hawks Bay against uh, North Harbour, which will uh, attract a few uh, viewers and listeners, I would imagine, as well. So... Uh, this is like a super Saturday looming of uh, of uh, rugby union of the 15-person code, I've got to say. And then, of course, if you're really good and your brownie points are great, then uh, the EPL will kick off not long after that. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, Southampton and Manchester United at 11.30, Smithy, so you wouldn't want to miss that. No, I won't be. Don't you worry about that. It's <laughs> high on my agenda, particularly that they've uh, found the winning formula, mate. Don't worry about that. And it's 9.53 here on uh, SENZ. Uh, and we'll come back with a multi before 10 o'clock. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, uh, yesterday we uh, put forward a multi which included the Tampa Bay Rays who uh, beat the Angels 11-1. Uh, Heather Watson absolutely smashed Marina Malnikova in the uh, US Open uh, qualifiers. So uh, that was a good result for us. We had Wellington Olympic to beat Miramar Rangers. That game has been deferred actually to a later date. So if you took that multi, 
if you took it, uh, hold on to the ticket because that game uh, will be played, I think, in uh, late September. So hold on to that ticket. Uh, today, then, we're going uh, the Eels to beat the Broncos tonight. Of course, it kicks off uh, around about 10 o'clock New Zealand time. The Eels to beat the Broncos at $1.64. Uh, as Vossi said, the Broncos have lost their way. Uh, the Phillies to beat the Reds this afternoon in the Major League Baseball, and that is $1.38. Uh, and also in the US Open qualifiers, Emilio Gomez to beat Brandon Holt at $1.64, and that'll return us at $3.71. $3.71, and that is our uh, multi for today. Okay, uh, we're looking forward to talking to uh, our next guest after 10 o'clock, and uh, that is uh, former league great, former league coach, but now defence coach for Los Pumas in Christchurch this weekend, and that is David Kidwell. In the meantime, we'll have some news coming up very shortly with Araha. Well, I've uh, just discovered uh, Araha's uh, m- musical genre because uh, whilst that music's been playing, I've been watching uh, Araha in the newsroom and she has been going berserk. I've got to say, neither word, every word to the song, which I do not, uh, and she's just gone crazy in there, folks. It's a, it was a show that you'd be sorry that you missed, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we're just waiting for uh, David Kibble to become available. Often uh, they have uh, little things that come up, so he's uh, put us back a, a little while, so we'll chat to him shortly. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I can uh, uh, talk to uh, Ricardo Ball on a couple of issues in particular. Uh, Ricardo, um, interesting for me, this story that's uh, emerged on stuff. And this is about uh, Tawira Kerbalo, of course, who is uh, playing uh, his rugby at the moment for La Rochelle very su- successfully, actually. He's uh, had a terrific uh, tenure with them and, of course, culminating in them being the European champions. Uh, all of a sudden, declaring his interest in playing for the Wallabies. Yeah, which is an interesting one for me. I mean, he's. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's a position that the Wallabies are really struggling for, halfback. I mean, you know, they've got, uh, I think, Tate McDermott's their best halfback, Nick White's there, Jake Gordon. Uh, so it's an interesting one, but he does qualify. He was born in Melbourne, and uh, it's been three years since he played with the All Blacks, and under these new rules that World Rugby have brought in, the ones that seen Charles Piertau and his Ralph Lau been able to play for Tonga. He actually qualifies for the Wallabies. Yeah, I see. I don't regard him as like a, a bit part All Black though. Uh, here's a bloke who had 29 appearances for the All Blacks, uh, starting in, in quite a few of them. Um, I, I kind of, you know, it's not to me. He's not a temporary mm. type All Black as such, and that's why. And then all, all of a sudden to go from, um, you know, from being a, an out and out All Black to a Wallaby, who the arch enemies as such. Um, I'm not quite sure how that sits for me. Yeah, I'd be... I'm a little bit... You know what I... And I know being a fan is different to being a player, Smithy, but... And I know it's not rugby, but cricket. I mean, would you ever have pulled on the baggy green, um, you know, after you played for New Zealand? I don't think so. I I don't know any New Zealand cricketer that would have... Perhaps there's been a lot that come the other way. Mm. A lot of, uh, you know, Australians that have come the other way. But but no one um, in uh, my thinking about it. You, you, I mean, you've got guys like Logan Van Beek who play for the Netherlands and then come back and uh, are involved with New Zealand cricket team. So I can, I can run with that, um, being a, a minor country as such. But once you get to the big boys league and you're playing in the, the top echelon, I don't think there's any scope at all for uh, for chopping and changing. It happened. Uh, it's happened with uh, England, of course, when you, you look at players like Kevin Peterson, um, you know, high-profile South Africans that have gone there, Graham Hick. 
um, who was a prodigious batsman. Um, and, you know, they're just one or two names that, that come to mind, the, the, of course, uh, that qualified to play for them and did great things for them. But oh, I just, no, I, I don't see it sitting that well. No, it doesn't sit well for me. I mean, and like I said, from an Australian point of view, I don't know that they need Tawira Kerbalo. I mean, he does have a good relationship with Dave Rennie. Obviously, he was his coach of the Chiefs. I don't know yeah, if that plays any part. Okay, yeah, not uh, not over there one at all. The other thing, um, just whilst we're, we're waiting for uh, these guys to be available, um, football draw. Um, mm. what, are we, what have we got coming up this weekend? Um, and also, um, Champions League draw out, initial one? Uh, no, that's coming out, I think, Friday, tomorrow morning, our time. Okay. Um, but we yeah. do have the, uh, and I don't know if the, how much... Uh, you're interested in this, Smithy, but the League Cup, the third round draw for the League Cup has been done, which is where all the Premier League teams come into it. So uh, that draw has just been done today. Uh, but in terms of coming up this weekend on in the in the Premier League, I mentioned uh, Southampton and Manchester United is the 11.30 kickoff Saturday night. And then Sunday morning at 2 is Chelsea-Leicester. That'll be an interesting one. Both teams desperately needing a win. Uh, Man City uh, host Crystal Palace. brighton host Leeds. Liverpool, they might be able to get some points. They're playing Bournemouth at home. Uh, Brentford mm. play Everton and then the late kickoff Sunday morning is Arsenal versus Fulham. So uh, there's, a, there's a couple of uh, interesting games there. And then Monday morning, Wolves Newcastle, Villa West Ham and Forest versus your Tottenham Hotspur. Okay, Forest, well, there's three points. Um, okay, let's. Uh, ha- I think we've got the panellists here, have we, this morning? We, we have. Thumbs up for, from Ricardo, so let's get uh, stuck into the panel this morning. Uh, we welcome uh, onto the show Hamish Bidwell and Ross Cole, uh, both regulars. And uh, Ross Cole, we were just talking uh, about timings for rugby, of course, a little bit late, the kickoff between the All Blacks and uh, Argentina's pushback to 7.45 this Saturday night, Ross, because Sky has got a veritable bonanza of international rugby uh, preceding that. It's been crazy. International rugby, domestic rugby, I think we had 18 games on the weekend. There is a mm. lot of footy to watch, if you like, and of course it's all live on Sky, whether it's FPC, NPC, International. You just set the mice, guy, if you can't catch up. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, uh, it is, it's almost crazy, but it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, Hamish Bidwell, good morning to you. Uh, where does it uh, sit for you uh, with uh, Taufira Kirbalo now saying he wants to play for the Wallabies? He's ready if uh, he gets the phone call straight away. Do you sit okay with you? Look, I hope you can hear me. Um, I'm isolating with COVID in the part of the house I'm hiding in doesn't have great phone reception. So, uh, yeah, you're good. Um, good. <laughs> you're totally in favour of it. I think anything that can make test rugby more competitive. Um, if I could use cricket as an analogy, we're going to have two or three test nations playing cricket, and that's no good. Um, rugby league, we have a thing with state of origin. We were obsessed about making people available for Queensland and New South Wales to the detriment of test rugby league. Like the more rugby can do to make itself a global game, with the more competitive nations, the better. Uh, that's a real advantage for them on the actual sporting landscape. So I would implore, uh, applaud anything that put better players and better teams and gave us more content to watch and more uh, contests that were uncertain. Okay. Ross, where do you sit with that? Well, I don't think that the Wallabies actually need another halfback. I think that they've got great halfbacks already. (laughs) Um, So I'm not sure whether he really um, is required. 
But what I like about this is it's it's funny because whenever you create a rule, someone finds a loophole in the rule, right? And the rule was made to help out the second tier nations to make sure the island nations got their superstars were unavailable and all those kind of things. <laughs> but of course, at some point, one of the major nations is going to come out with a loophole and bring someone from somewhere else and a player who played against them in a World Cup final, no less. Um, mm. I, I think it's amazing. And, you know, it, it's not what it's set up for, but good on them for looking at the rule and how they can make it work for them. And, uh, you know, good on Taweta Kubalo. If he feels Australian, um, that's great. Of course, I suppose the exception to this is you kind of expect these players to be playing in the country that they're switching to or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, good on him. If he feels Australian and he wants to play for Australia, get in there, mate, use the rule and uh, play some test footy. Yeah, it's interesting that actually because there was a Matt Gitto rule that said you had to uh, at least play some football, I think, in Australia at some point. I'm pretty sure and he wouldn't have qualified on that basis. Um, in, in terms of uh, what you're expecting out of today, um, uh, Hamish Bidwell, um, All Blacks naming their test squad for the weekend. What are you, what are you surmising might come now from the uh, now confirmed coach, uh, Ian Foster? I just want to quickly highlight a couple of other things. Irene Van Dyke transferring from South Africa to New Zealand was great for international netball. And we've got people yes. like Michael Rippon and Logan Van Beek who played for the, for the Dutch against New Zealand not long ago. They're in the New Zealand A squad. So things are loose, let's put it that way, in terms of international eligibility. Um, the test team, I expect much the same as last time. I think they'll believe they had on a formula. I'm not 100% sure. And the difficulty is... We're not really going to find out in the next few months because the calibre of opposition New Zealand's facing isn't high. Um, you know, a guy like Tauraro Lomax, there's always room for a Jeremy Coney who's better at international level than domestic level, but I've never seen anything from Tauraro Lomax to tell me that he's going to be a dominant international prop. Played well at Alice Park, but if I use him as an example, I'm not sure that really we answered a lot in that match, but I assume we'll go with the same, and I don't reckon it'll matter. And I'm not sure how enthused fans are at the moment, and I'll one of the reasons I think that is is because you need consequence, especially in our business. We get uh, quite wrapped up in what does it all mean? You know, what, yes, you've played well, or yes, you've played badly, but what does it all mean? Well, in, in retaining Ian Foster as All Blacks coach, we've, just, we've decided that it actually means nothing, that these games are friendly, that if the team tells us they're happy with the coach or the team tells us that despite their losses, everything's fine, they're learning and they're working hard, then... You know, nothing's going to change. And it takes a bit of the edge off Test Match Rugby for me if we're actually going to have to play games that don't have any consequences. OK. Uh, Ross, um, what are you expecting in terms of um, this particular Test Match? Uh, status quo now that we've found the winning formula or a bit of experimentation? I think status quo for this Test Match because I don't think he's off the hook yet. Quite simply, you know, that's just one win and there needs to be some some solid consistency for a period of time. He's found himself a winning formula. He needs to make sure he doesn't have another first in losing to Argentina at home. So he needs to follow through with the team and a similar game plan to what worked against South Africa. Now, we saw that uh, the Argentine attack um, uses a lot of high balls. They really uh, made Australia look silly with it. So in that way, the way that they use the escorts to protect the back three and they caused problems at ruck time to make sure it was hard for them to get a, a really good kick away from the base against South Africa. Those things will have to continue. So I feel like that will... This week is a week to consolidate. 
and maybe in the coming weeks we'll start seeing some of the players who we haven't seen yet, whether that's Hoskins or Tutu, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, starting to get some game time. Because I feel like the master plan probably was that those guys would have played more by now. But because things went so badly, they had to keep them hidden away while they followed through with the what they saw as the A-team. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine with the amount of pressure that's on to win um, in the home of Scott Robertson, I don't see them really um, taking the foot off the, the throttle and making too many changes. Are you concerned? Uh, and the last reports, uh, I believe this to be the case. This is not a sellout. I mean, they don't get much test rugby down there. This is the All Blacks, after all. Argentina, um, OK, they might not be top of the tree, but they gave the, just gave the Wallabies one hell of a pasting. Uh, and they have beaten us recently. So uh, are you a little surprised, Ross Carl, that this has not been a sellout done and dusted? Um, look, I'm not surprised because it's Christchurch. And you look at the Crusaders over the years, they've struggled to get crowds there for semi-finals, for finals. You know, they haven't necessarily sold it out, whether that's the stadium or whether that's a general apathy for going out at night and watching the footy or, or, or whatever it is in Christchurch. Look, I, I think that's a challenge for the people of Christchurch to get out there and support this team because they've shown really that they haven't turned up in numbers en masse for the greatest provincial side um, possibly in the history of New Zealand rugby. So maybe they can go out and support the All Blacks this time around. Uh, hey, Miss, do you think that's a, a, a backlash, a reaction, or uh, just a casualness about the whole deal? No, I think um, historically Argentina goes to New Plymouth, Nelson, Napier, uh, places like that where they, you know, they we don't expect them to draw a crowd. The fact that the Hawaii's aren't in Super Rugby anymore is um, certainly... Um, severed our link a little bit to Argentine rugby and our knowledge of the players and interest in them. Um, I worked at the Priest in Christchurch for a few years. Ross is right. Like, that's slightly different from your other provincial towns in that they do get a diet of decent rugby and they are, some would say, discerning, some would say complacent when it comes to super rugby. They, they Ross says, they only really turn up for the final. Um, but that's because they get a diet of good rugby and they, they only want to see the best against the best. And this isn't the best against the best. It's a an All Blacks team that's still slightly unpopular no matter what anyone wants to say about it and an Argentine team that people don't know. So I'm not remotely surprised. I don't think it's a backlash per se or any sort of pro-Robertson, anti-Foster carry-on or mm-hmm. something of that nature. I just think that they are used to not go, they're used to a diet of rugby unlike Napier and New Plymouth and Nelson who would be happy to take the Argentines and would probably sell out. Okay, Hamish Bidwell uh, is with us this morning and so is Ross Carr. We'll take a, a very quick break. When we come back, we might talk a, a little bit of uh, cricket. Of course, the Black Caps naming their squad for the Chapel Hadley series this morning. We'll get some thoughts on that very shortly. The panel this morning, uh, Hamish Bidwell and Ross Carl, and I thank you, both you guys for being uh, patient there. Uh, Hamish, if I could um, ask you about the naming of this uh, Black Cap squad for the Chapel Hadley uh, series coming up in Cairns, uh, starting uh, I think on the se- September the sixth. So not that far away. Um, interesting venue for a start, but also, what did you make of the squad? Well, it's largely the squad, apart from Sony that played in the West Indies, which I was thrilled to watch because I'm I'm not a Spark person, so I was delighted to be able to watch them on Sky after a, a long <laughs> period of not seeing them. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with Ben Sears if they're playing. We've had guys like. Heath Davis and Carl Bolton with a bit of pace that were a bit raw and we never really knew how to handle them. Adam Milne did have periods where he could play consistently. Lockie Ferguson's obviously a mainstay of that attack, but as we sort of prepare for life after Trent Bolt, who I have to say 
still a magnificent bowler. Um, will they look to inject Sears? Um, I try not to get too wrapped up in one in one day cricket. Um, if, I know you have your Mount Rushmore in that you do on the show. If I have a route mush, route mush, Mount Rushmore for most disappointing mm-hmm. slash permanently scarring sporting experience, it's that three test series list to Australia a couple of summers ago. That really knocked me around. And until New Zealand can compete against Australia in test cricket again, I, I'm going to feel that way. And I'm going to be there in 2067. That's the next crack we have at it. These games are fine. I'll be watching, but. It's not the same as Test cricket. Totally uh, agree with you on the scarring that um, of all the series I've ever commentated on uh, around the world involving New Zealand, that one hurt me the most as well. I cut to the quick, I'll be fair, it's fair to say. Uh, Ross Cole, but it is good news because this ser- series is uh, on Sky. Uh, three matches in the Chapel Hadley series. Um, I think it'll be, even though it's midwinter with the All Blacks, etc., I think it'll be pretty well received. And this is a strong-looking Black Caps unit. It is a strong-looking Black Caps unit. Um, what they can do in the mixture in their attack, you know, the way that they go strong at the front, they've got really good closers in the batting. You know, I, I like um, I like having uh, Matt Henry back. You know, he's a, he's a good addition to the team. Yeah, I, I think they're good, but when you look at that Aussie side, you can see why they've been so dominant against New Zealand over the last few years. I think they've won 15 of the last 21 days against us. And, I mean, it's still a stacked side, even without Pat Cummins. You know, having Adam Zampa back is great, but Finch, yeah. Warner, Smith, Loveskarkney, Maxwell, you know, we're talking about really strong players. So the Black Caps, I don't think you can see them as favourites at all with the Aussies at home, despite their good run in limited overs recently. I think it's really, it's, it's going to be tough for them to pick up that series. Hamish, but bring up an interesting point, actually, um, around about test cricket. Hamish, if, if you now were either mentoring or you had a very talented son yourself or you were mentoring um, a, a kid in terms of, uh, and he had undoubted cricket ability, what would you say to him? I mean, you know, I mean logically, you'd like him to play test cricket, etc., but is that the way of the future for these kids? No. My father had a book. My father was a great blocker. He had minor association cricket and Canterbury age group cricket, and he was a great blocker, a great blocker of all time. And he had a book by Peter May with a passage in there, a line in there from Peter May, great England captain of the 1950s and 60s, um, which was when in doubt, push out. And uh amazing. He's clicking forward. Got a block. And, and I would have thought it was child's Peter Winterhouse. And they do hitting practice now, even as eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Um, they lob them west side half volleys. They learn to hit. They learn to clear the front leg and hit over mid on. Like real, four different That's the future. Whether you like it or you don't like it, that's where the money is. That's the form of cricket we're going to get. It was interesting. I was listening to Graeme Smith, the former South Africa captain on Sky Sport England the other day, and he was talking about the new 2020 league in South Africa, which he's commissioner of. And Ian Ward from Sky asked him, where do you see test cricket in 10 years' time? And Graham hummed and hard and wouldn't answer the question because he knows the answer. He knows test cricket is dying or dead in that time. And he said, when he finally made an answer, that he really hoped that nations like West Indies, South Africa, New Zealand were supported so that they could continue to play test cricket because he had fears that they won't. Mm, I, I tend to agree. It's very scary. The windows are closing, 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 and closing quite rapidly. Uh, just finally, uh, Ross Cole, uh, Wayne Smith just come through. Wayne Smith uh, has 
named a, a multi-changes uh, to his starting 15 for the second test against the Wallaroos. So uh, he's only got seven starters from last week. So he's still, of course, is in experimental mode, running out of times uh, to pick uh, his World Cup squad. Are you happy with what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing the structure that they're playing with now. You know, they seem to know where they're going and what they're doing, their, their pot attacks for their attack, um, the tip passes, the things that are happening in and around that, that attacking structure looks far more professional. It looks like a lot of time has been spent, and it has, developing it with some top-notch people. You know, when you've got people like McCaw and Carter and Mialamu coming in to help out specialist positions, you know, you've got Steve Hansen coming in. He's really pulling all of his pool of talent to come in and get this team to where it needs to be. And it's amazing. And, and by the sounds of it, um, the players are just lapping up all, all of the lessons that they're learning. And you can see it on the field. Um, the next step for them, I think, is to get a really strong kicking game going. Um, it would be great to see that um, because that, I think would change the way that they attack. But it's tremendous progress. And I think Wayne Smith's right to have a good look, especially against Australia and other players. They've never lost to them. You know, it pretty much is a guaranteed win. So let's see who else can do some stuff within those structures that he's put in place. Ross Carl, thank you very much. Hamish Bidwell, and to you, thank you very much. And uh, recover well from uh, the dreaded virus. I uh, hope you're back on your feet and uh, back at the golf course soon, mate. Thank you very much for your time this morning. It is uh, 10.30 here on SENZ. And I think it's time we should have some news with Araha. It is uh, 10.33 here on SENZ. And when Ricardo Ball's in the chair, you're always going to get a bit of rock music, which is uh, great. Uh, great, too, is uh, our next guest. I'm really looking forward to having a chat to uh, David Kidwell because David Kidwell has uh, got himself a new job. Uh, he is the defence coach uh, for the, uh, for the uh, Los Pumas, of course, uh, up against the All Blacks. Uh, on Saturday uh, in Christchurch and uh, not that long ago he was assistant coach uh, to Brad Arthur at the Eels. Uh, this is David Kidwell of course who has such a prodigious career in rugby league uh, both as a player over 100 games for the Storm, 38 for South Sydney and then of course gone on to coach the Kiwis and currently still the coach of the Murray All-Stars so what a fascinating life you're living at the moment David Kidwell uh, welcome to the show. Oh, kia ora, boys. Um, hola, mucho gusto. Very nice to be oh. here. Um, there's a little bit of espanol, more piquito espanol. So, uh, so um, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at the moment. I'm, uh, you know, with Argentina, um, and you know, it's great, it's great, it's a great team to be um, here with. And um, you know, who would have thought? Uh, Māori boy from Christchurch um, coming back <laughs> to Christchurch and protege against the, the, the mighty All Blacks on, on Saturday night. So um, life, you know, chucks you up curveballs and um, yeah, here we are. This is uh, a, a curveball. I was going to ask you about your Spanish, but I think uh, in the short time you've been there, it's pretty much uh, pre- pretty much under control. That was quite impressive, David. But uh, when, what did you initially think? What was your first reaction when you got the phone call about this proposition? Well, uh, yeah, I was a bit shocked, actually, to be honest with you. Um, it was, you know, obviously I didn't know Michael. Uh, Michael's actually um, a neighbour of mine in, in, in Sydney. We didn't. We knew of each other, but we never had formally met. Uh, through a mutual friend, um, he said, look, you know, Michael would love a guy like yourself. Let's pass on your number. We had a coffee. Um, basically, that's the rest of his history. I, I sort of said to Michael, look, my knowledge of rugby 
is probably next to zero compared to the people you've um, interviewed for the job or want to get on board. But um, he'd obviously been involved in rugby league teams. He did some stuff with the Roosters, Trent Robinson, and, and like the idea of um, having a, a league defensive mind um, with the Pumas. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm uh, been six, three, uh, two months now uh, with the Lost Pumas. Um, spending yeah. six weeks in Argentina uh, and loving it. Uh, Espanol's muy uh, poquito, so it's um, very small, but uh, I like to call it Spanglish. You know, a little bit of a little bit of English, uh, Spanish. Uh, uh, but the boys David, have been really amazing, actually. Yeah. Patient. Can you tell us uh, the difference? I mean, looking from the outside, looking in, the difference between a rugby league defence to a modern day rugby union defence. Oh look, there's obviously subtle difference differences in 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 the in, in the defensive line. Um, obviously, set pieces, you know, big big in rugby union, you know, which I had to get my head around. Um, I'm still learning, you know, the scrums, you know, uh, mauls, line outs, but the actual way the defensive line moves is, is very similar, you know. So, you know, making sure that I'm getting these guys into a position where they can make good decisions in the tackle. Um, and then uh, making sure the line moves, you know, and connected, really. So very similar into a league line. You know, you need to have some line speed. You need to be connected with each other and be on the same page. So um, in that respect, is, is very similar. Um, obviously, with the tackle, you know, they have the chop tackle here in, in rugby. Um, you know, you've got to bend at the back, obviously. Any contact with the head, that's been the biggest sort of, uh, learning that I've had to put into the boards about making sure you, you know, the, the factors of making sure you're bending at the back so you you don't get red carded or yellow carded in, in this game. But to the boys' credit, you know they've really listened, they've really been coachable, they've been patient with me, and um, hopefully, you know it's coming out in games. Well, one of the things uh, I sort of looked at when I, I kind of looked briefly at the comparison is, of course, in, in league. Uh, all going well. You're looking at uh, possibly, uh, you know, five to six tackles, which I, can, I guess you could compare to six phases in rugby union. But in rugby union, of course, you can have multiple phases. You might have the ball or be defending against a, a ball carrier up to 15, 20 times. So uh, a little bit more patience in defence? Yeah, yeah, a little bit patience, and, and as I touched on before, I'm making um, good decisions about do you go for the the Pascal, the Jackal, or do you you know get in, in, in your line and reload your line? So uh, making those good decisions, making sure you're getting your body in front. Um, you know, like you said, 15 phases could be good. I suppose the added value that you know you don't have to run back 10 metres. You know, you're just at, yeah. at the back of the, the last man's feet, so you're not actually going back and forward. You know. Um, and as an, as you're doing league, so um, you know and you've got some big men around that ruck. You know your hookers and your front rowers, and I'm asking them to move and, and, and come up straight and move from the inside. So um, and uh, they, they're getting, really getting used to that uh, and me being behind the defensive line, just and giving them little little tips here and there to make sure you know that we're we're connected as one line. Also, from a, a defensive point these days, quite a lot of um, of rugby union sides are running two lines of attack. Uh, they have a front line, and then they have a, a line that starts slightly deeper and, and involving perhaps forwards as pivots, offloading, etc. Uh, that is different to rugby league. 
Yeah, look, um, look, we just call it the front door, back door. You know, you have a, a one lead runner who's running a hard line on the inside shoulder, and then you have a guy at the back who, who's, you know, basically the second line of attack, and you have um, some more pods, you know. Um, so it, it's, it, is, it is different, but um, um, at the same time, you know, we have a lot of block plays and, 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 um, and lead defence. And again, about body position, seat position, um, where you put yourself on, on the defensive line, and you know, like it's it's, it's really um, noticeable, definitely, with the Argentinian guys that they um, they really like the way we're, we're we're trying to implement the defensive and the way we move. Um, and you know, we're, we're trying to double D. You know what I mean? And we know we've got a big task against the the ABs on Saturday night, but it's a challenge that we've um, we're looking forward to and, and embracing. Okay, so you, you've worked, of course, um, played uh, and, and worked alongside the likes of uh, Craig Bellamy, of course, uh, at the Storm, Brad Arthur uh, at the Eels. Um, Michael Checker, is, uh, the Michael Checker we've known and come to love, um, has always uh, let his feelings be known in the coach's box, etc. Uh, how do you compare maybe a Bellamy to a Checker? Yeah. Oh, look... Um Comparing them both make great both great men, you know, in their own right. Um, I think that's important. Uh, I think it's important. They're good people, uh, both great people. On the ends of uh, the scale of um, intensity, <laughs> you know, uh, they probably sit at the the, the, the opposite ends. But um, like Michael said, he can he can go in between, you know, where he needs to feel like he needs to up the intensity, or he can be nice and relaxed. So I've really enjoyed my time um, at the moment with Michael. He's a um, he's a good character. Uh, I really like him as a person, and he's been lucky. He's been patient with me, and, and uh, that you know my knowledge of rugby union is not what it as we've been with other coaches. But um, no, I'm enjoying my time. You know, we have a bit of fun. We have a bit of relaxation. We know I like his mentality, same as mine. You know, on the field, yeah, it's all business. Off the field, you know, yeah, got to share the jersey. So um, I like that philosophy. Uh, well, obviously, he'd be smiling at the moment, um, of course, on the basis of that fantastic performance. Winning, that's, winning, that's what winning does. <laughs> yeah, uh, the yeah. Wallaby. That, that was yeah. that was a hell of a performance. Uh, the, the second test match. I mean, you drubbed them forty-eight seventeen on the back of a, a first test match where you were in it right till the end as well. Yeah, definitely. I think we were. You know, we were nine points up with you know twenty-five minutes to go. So, um, and again, you know, these guys are still learning how to um, you know be winners and change their self-image and, and and be confident in belief and. Um, you know, obviously for that 60-minute period, we were really good. And there's that 20-minute period where, um, you know, you have to live in um, when it doesn't go well. And that's the, that's where the characters um, and how tight you are as a, as a team can get through that and push through that. And you want to embrace that sort of um, when it does not go wrong, uh, right, sorry, and be able to get yourself out of that. And I think in the, in the second test against Australia, we really learned... Um, once we had that lead, you know, we've got to keep the, the foot on the pedal and, and make sure we, we, we go for the throat. And I think they did that, did that well. Uh, Argentina, uh, of course, have grown confidence, but they know now that they, they can beat the All Blacks. Um, but beating them in New Zealand, how do you, how do you sense the, the mood in the camp going into this one, David? Yeah, look, um, we've taken the approach of, you know, worrying about ourselves. You know, there's improvements that we're still um, looking forward to moving forward to. 
Um, I think the guys have really embraced Christchurch. You can only embrace Christchurch in the weather, mate. You know, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's a good old Christchurch weather. It's um, bone chilling, but, you know, they've really sort of started to ask questions about, uh, you know, our culture. And uh, I suppose because I'm the Kiwi and I'm asking a lot of questions about, you know, Argentinian culture. And then it's a chance for them to, to ask about, you know, the Kiwi culture and the Maori culture and the welcome, you know, my whanau come here and, and they welcome at the airport and then, you know, mm. they're sort of asking questions about that. So I think they're really feeling, you know, really um, not at home, but really comfortable being, you know, in a foreign country and around here. They really, a lot of people like, you know, and the team love New Zealand. Um, Pablo Montera, you know, loves Christchurch. Mm. You know, he's obviously happy memories here, but, um, you know, they're loving it and embracing it. David, um, incidentally, you will become the first man to coach the Kiwis and to coach against the All Blacks. Um, I'm, we're pretty, uh, almost 100% sure on that. Uh, what does that mean to you? What, do you? what are your emotions going into this weekend? Yeah, um, look, I'm a, I'm a Māori boy, Kiwi boy at heart, New Zealander at heart. You know, that's never, ever going to change. But, um, you know, in world sport now these days, yeah, it happens all the time. You know, coaches coach games their country, whether it's rugby, rugby league, um, cricket, you know, it's just part of uh, sport and business uh, that's in the world at the moment. But... You know, I'm I'm a proud Kiwi, and um, but Saturday night, you know, I'm, I'm full Argentinian. You know, we're we, we're we're coming here to do some business, and then um, yeah, hopefully we win. David, um, one of the other good uh, pieces of information we're hearing is that you're still very keen to uh, coach um, the uh, Maori All Star Rugby League team. Is, is that the case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am actually. Um, you know, it's something that I'm very proud of. Um, but um, unfortunately, um, they've gone in a different direction. Um, so, um, you know, when I first took the job, uh, I had the pressure on me, I had to win so the NRL could, you know, re- renew the contract for the All-Stars. You know, I did that and I always had a goal of, of bringing that All-Stars game back home. And uh, unfortunately, it won't be me that's coaching it. Um, but... You know, I, I did my job and brought it back home, and it's something that I really, uh, really love uh, and did. But unfortunately, multi rugby league seemed different, and uh, yeah, I won't be coaching it next year. Wow. Okay, that's sad to news. That's news to us here. I just got a text in from s- yeah. someone to say that David Kidwell is a legend, a Hornby Panther for life. Will you get a chance to catch up with any of those guys? <laughs> Yeah, but look, um, it's my rugby league club here in Christchurch, the Panthers, and, uh, you know, I'm born to be a Panther. All the Panthers know what happens here. I think they lost the grand final just against the Linwood Kiers this year, so they got them last year, but obviously all, all reports was a good game. And Look, I haven't, haven't seen my uh, sister for three years. My best mate lives here, so it's really good to catch up with the final. Absolutely fantastic, uh, David. And, and just one other thing, uh, Eels Broncos tonight. Um, I'm not sure if you'll be able to get in front of a TV and, and have a look at it, but Eels are uh, doing things quite nicely at the right time. Yeah, they are. You know, it's the business end of, of, of the competition. And, um, you know, it's really tight around that fifth, you know, fifth to tenth place. You know, a few teams can make those... Um, Make the eight, but um, I'm pretty confident that the Eels will win tonight by 12. By 12. Okay, David Kidwell, there you have folks. uh, By 12. By 12 points.
Okay, David. Uh, absolutely <laughs> uh, fantastic. Fantastic to talk to you, mate. It's a, it's a great story, an intriguing story. Uh, let's hope, uh, from your point of view, it has a happy ending on uh, Saturday night. Look forward to catching up. And thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Yep. No, no, no. Mucho gusto. And um, adios. Adios, yes. Adios, uh, David Kidwell. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Rightio, uh, we have got uh, our harness racing uh, pacing for purpose horse for you today at Winton. Thursday, uh, that's uh, 2 o'clock, uh, 2.10 this afternoon, actually 2.10 this afternoon. Race for number 7, Spirit of Arian. Spirit of Arian, a short price favourite, looks very well suited by this race and should be winning. So that's Winton this afternoon. Spirit of uh, Arian uh, will come up with a greyhound for you too uh, in the next hour. And uh, speaking of the next hour, we shall be talking to uh, Lance Hamilton. If you've ever been to Pukakura Park, you all know, as a spectator, it is a very special place to watch any form of sport. Uh, that might be disappearing. It might be going. Uh, let's hope not. Let's uh, see if uh, Lance Hamilton can give us some positive news. In the meantime, here's Aroha with her version of the news. OK, let's uh, get into the next hour and a uh, very sensitive subject for me in particular, actually, because uh, I've been to Pukakura Park on a number of occasions. Uh, I've been there as a spectator, I've been there as a commentator, I've been there as a player, and it is special. There's uh, something about an amphitheatre which involves uh, everybody uh, who uh, actually turns up, and uh, it's been a focal part of cricket in this country for a long, long time. But uh, it uh, may well not be um, in the foreseeable future unless something can be done about it. Um, and to talk about it now is, um, is uh, a bloke who uh, obviously has had uh, a lot of time playing there himself. Um, he's been a black cap. Uh, he's also, of course, uh, been involved with Central Districts for donkey's years as a player uh, and now as their head administrator in terms of being the CEO. I'm talking now about uh, Lance Hamilton. Lance, uh, good morning to you. Thank you very much for your time. Good morning, Smithy. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I guess this is a, a view or, or an issue that is uh, very central to you because it's uh, it's been a very sentimental part of Central Districts cricket for a long, long time, Pukakura Park. I, for one, would hate to see it go, uh, but they need to make changes, clearly. Yeah, definitely. I think um, when I was considering putting in uh, a submission there to sort of support uh, Taranaki cricket around their, their thoughts for that, I was very much uh, found myself in a nostalgic mood around all of the times I've spent out in the middle over there over the years and then over the last sort of 13 years with the Stags as well. Um, I don't think there's been a game that uh, that I've missed over there. So, um, you know, um, absolutely love playing there and being part of it. And it's a very sort of special part of the cricketing calendar and has been for some time. So, um, yeah, looking to try and uh, support Taranaki Cricket in their endeavours around... Um, getting the, the ground up to speed in the areas that it needs, um, you know, to bring it up to the standard uh, for the grounds around the country, really. Lance, what's, what's brought it to this point? Uh, I think, like, it's been it's been sort of bubbling away for the last week, well, last few years, and um, I think it because of the nostalgia around the ground and everyone's love of playing there, um, and how it looks on TV and, and, and what the experience is like when you play there. A lot of stuff has been overlooked for a number of years. And then since the, uh, since the double headers um, came into play around the, the T20 Super Smash, it's really um, sort of highlighted some of the shortcomings of the ground around the, the supporting infrastructure and stuff like that. So um, it, it's a lot more sort of noticeable when you've got four teams trying to squeeze into um, you know very small changing rooms already and then you, you add in another team that has to change upstairs and 
full view of the public or another two teams that have to share an open plan sort of area upstairs. Um, and so it's just sort of brought everything uh, under the under the spotlight a little bit more. And so it had been talked about for quite some time these these changes, these proposed changes, and bringing it up to speed by the council. And 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 I suppose nothing had really been done for quite some time. So um, yeah, there was probably a bit of a perfect storm around the weather bomb and stuff like that in the lead up to the fixtures this year, which put it really under the spotlight. And then ever since then, um, you know, there's been a bit of a uh, a growing um, concern around bringing it up to speed, like like uh, around the Warren Fitness stuff, which is just the same as all the other grounds around the country. Okay, so um, before we get onto the ground itself, uh, what are we, we we're looking okay at dressing rooms uh, and, and I guess more medical type facilities these days, drug testing stations, etc., like that. So we're we're looking at a, a quite a big revamped look to it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, just to, like I say, it's, it's the same as what we, we're experiencing around all the other grounds uh, around the country. So with with four teams trying to squeeze into that and, and then all of the extra, um, you know, drug testing that happens with the televised matches, um, the, the umpires are changing, um, you know, there's multiple umpires at these double headers and stuff like that as well, as well as match referees, mm-hmm. and they're all squeezed into like a tiny little cubicle, um, you know, so just... Uh, basically trying to bring it up to speed for you know the uh, what are the expectations um, when we play such big fixtures and, and grounds like that today. Okay, the playing surface itself, um, a lot of, uh, you know, you're a bowler, so there's been times when you've suffered on it, of course, but, um, you know, uh, it, it swings and roundabouts. There are other grounds that work in your favour. And I, uh, the, there's talk about the dimensions here now. Uh, are the dimensions because of uh, possibility of international cricket or what about domestic uh, cricket in terms of the dimensions there? Yeah, I think um, you know the boundaries are very small. There are grounds, you know, around the country that have similar size boundaries as well. Um, but I think a lot of it, like potentially, stems from you know uh, possibly a health and safety issue as well. Um, you know, with the number of balls and flying into the crowd and stuff like that as well. But um, you know, I think that at this stage, that that's potentially a nice to have, um, you know, around if they're looking at all the things around the ground, and maybe that's something for the future. But. Um, you know, it's certainly not a, a prerequisite for right now. Um, I don't get, I didn't get that impression at all. But um, definitely, uh, the playing surface itself around the block and the wicket block and everything has been awesome. They've, they've updated the groundage on the one side of the ground that doesn't get a lot of sun um, recently, and and the playing surface itself, the, the players enjoy playing there. Um, bowlers not so much at times, but um, you know they they definitely still enjoy the spectacle, and, and there's never been any complaints around the, the, the playing surface itself. So who's, who has to pay for this if it comes to pass that uh, the decision made is to go go ahead and make these changes? It's a, a what a um, New Plymouth City Council facility as such administered by them. Yes, you know it's it's a, it's a New Plymouth City Council um, you know facility. So I'm not 100 percent sure around where the funding comes from. Um, you know we were asked to make a submission. And, Around our, um, you know, our thoughts on it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we were one of about 600 submissions, along with Taranaki and New Zealand Cricket. So, um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure where the where the money will come, but you know, we 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 were asked to, to sort of um, submit something, and um, yeah, basically we you know we were we're keen to see cricket continue there. It's a it's a huge part of the um, of their uh, cricketing agenda, especially around the, the Super Smash competition. And you know, the last thing we want is to, is to see cricket taken away from there. So um, yeah, hopefully we can all work together to find a, a viable solution uh, moving forward.
it's tailor-made for the Hines and women's cricket as well, isn't it? Perfect. Yeah, the girls absolutely love playing there, um, as, as do the boys. So, um, yeah, it's, like I say, it's, it's a beautiful ground and uh, just I've got a, you know, a lot of uh, nostalgic feelings of, of having played there. So um, it would certainly be a shame to see it disappear off the, off the, off the uh, schedule. The, the other thing, of course, that comes to mind, if, uh, if you can't play uh, cricket there as such, where does Taranaki cricket go? I mean, it's always been quite a, a strong part of the Central District's makeup. So where, where does it go uh, elsewhere in Taranaki? Yeah, um, I don't think there's any danger of Taranaki cricket sort of not being able to play there or anything like that. Um, I think it would still... Uh, um, you know, be, be accessible to them. It's just more around sort of, um, you know, the, the expectation and the requirements of the game at, at, at first class level. And, um, you know, especially, like I say, the, the double headers are the, are the key, like the, with four teams um, trying to get access um, to all of the facilities there and squeezing in uh, into everything. It's sort of, it's, it's less than ideal. And with the way the game's gone and the professionalism around the game and, you know, the expectations around that, I think, um you know, we, that, that just needs to be considered so that uh, it's just been, it's literally been given a pass every year purely because of all of the, you know, the, the beautiful nature of the ground and, and you know, the, the great atmosphere that gets created there and everything like that. And it's yeah. just probably got to that point where, you know, something needs to be done. And, and you know, this is, we're, we're sort of, like I say, the, the, big, the major motivator is for all of us to sort of work together to find a viable solution moving forward. Okay, um, well that's good news that uh, the wheels are in motion anyway. Uh, how um, how Central Districts, uh, the Stags, the, the Hines, etc. How's how's it shaping up for this oncoming season, which is not that far away? Yeah, we're uh, we're all we're gathering nicely, a little bit of momentum. Um, we just had a couple of days as staff getting together before the season uh, kicks on un- gets underway. So um, the boys are sort of working away. Uh, pre-work and post-work and stuff like that at the moment until they come on contract in, in September and um, you know we're just getting into finalising the contracting process for the for the Hines as well um, which is going to be awesome for them to see them get uh, remunerated a little bit um, for, for their, the time that they give up to, to, to play and train for the game so um, yeah the, the girls had their first camp just recently here at uh, here in Hastings at the at the uh, sports hub here and stayed in the new hostel and really enjoyed it and had a great time and um, you know we're really excited about the facilities we've got going on here and and what the what that looks like for the future of all the stags and the hinds coming through the system here um, you know around the the uh, indoor centre uh, half complete here and and also with the the consent sort of uh, coming in for the for the greenhouse um, you know and with the hostel the pool and the and the gym here and the running track it's going to be yeah. uh, you know Greg Hay said to me the other day he said uh, you know oh to be a young aspiring cricketer coming through the system right now in Central Districts it's going to be amazing for, for, for those players moving forward It, it is um, from all accounts it's absolutely spectacular there um, Lance uh, Ross Taylor um, available to you at any stage have you had any, any chats with Ross I, I see he's got um, still uh, a desire to play cricket. He's putting his name forward to, uh, I think, the BVL. He's looking at a Legends uh, particular series as well. What, what about the chances of him in the, in the Stag uniform this summer? Uh, yeah, in a perfect world, Roscoe gets, uh, gets to have a bit of a swan song, but we're just waiting to to see you know, what his schedule looks like when it all gets firmed up. He's got a few irons in the fire around some, some different... Um, 
you know, some different uh, competitions around the globe. And, um, you know, we, we just sort of said we're going to keep in touch with him and, um, you know, we'll just communicate with him once he knows the schedule and then we'll sit down and sort of see how that fits in with our schedule. And, um, you know, if, if he's available, we'd certainly be keen to have him in and around, uh, in and around the environment, which would be awesome. Okay, uh, Lance Hamilton, uh, it's been great chatting to you. Uh, I really hope, I mean, I'm like you, sentimentally. Oh, I just can't uh, imagine no cricket at uh, Pukakaura Park. I can't imagine uh, that fan experience uh, going west. Uh, it's, it's just too damn good. So uh, I hope you're successful uh, with uh, all the groups that you're going to be involved in and trying to rebuild that, those facilities. Uh, much needed. Uh, it's such a special place. Um, mate, thanks for your time. All the best. No problem. Thanks, Smithy. Anytime. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Lance Hamilton there, CEO of the Central Districts uh, Cricket Association. Of course, uh, a former um, international cricketer himself and a stalwart, uh, left arm uh, quick bowler for Central Districts uh, for a number of years now, the administrator there. And uh, honestly, uh, I, I don't know, Ricardo, if you've ever been to uh, Pukakura Park, but you know, one of the things that we talk about now, and we spoke the other day to Justin Nelson, about fan experience, right? Mm. Fan experience is so popular, uh, so important to the, the product that you're putting forward. There is no better fan experience um, than watching sport at Pukakura Park because you feel like you are actually on top of it. Uh, the, the incredible seating system, natural seating system that uh, they've got there, it's just it's so unique. Players from all around the world have marvelled at that. Yeah, sure, they've come and say, oh, God, look at the boundaries here, but let's just go and have some fun and joy. It's going to be a run fest day, so be it. Uh, but let's just enjoy the feeling there. I, I remember one of my first ever games of first-class cricket. I played for Central Districts against England there in a tied match. We tied. Uh, the, the place just went absolutely berserk, and you felt like the fans were literally in the slip court and with you, living with you. I mean, wow, special, special. Yeah, I've never been, Smithy, but it is one of those places that I've often watched games of cricket there on the TV and gone, that needs to be a hard hat area. That bank, that that really did need to be a hard out area. I mean, I did I did feel uh, for the safety of of some of the children I saw running around there, who obviously were oblivious to what was going on out in the middle at times. Yeah, I think there is that, there is that, but there's, that's the same at any um, at any cricket ground. To be fair, uh, with the big hitting nature these days, the smaller boundaries, etc. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen Bull Sale and Eden Park, and you know, mm. um, and I've cringed at the thought of where they might end up and. Uh, and, and even in um, beautiful places like uh, Hagley Oval, the Basin Reserve, you, you see it go up onto the bank or you're into the crowd areas and you think, oh, my God, little kids walking around, running around, uh, which you encourage them to do at cricket grounds these days. Um, uh, they're, they're there, and uh, it, it, uh, from time to time it does happen. But this, um, it, it's the kind of place where you don't take your eye off the game, and, and that helps, I think, in that regard. You can see it coming. You get plenty of warning because you, you just you know it. I used to play with a guy there called Jock Edwards, uh, who uh, played for New Zealand, uh, of course, but he was a Central Districts legend out of Nelson. Uh, but they loved him there uh, because they knew that Jock was trying, basically going to be trying to hit the ball into their areas from ball one. Uh, and they sat on the edge of their seat. And, uh, and, and sometimes when Jock fired at Pukakura Park, it was just, it was just something to be uh, absolutely imagined. And there's been some terrific touring sides that have been there. Uh, played against the West Indies there, Ricardo, uh, a very strong West Indies side. And unfortunately for them, what should happen in a touring match is the opposition should bat first. And that at least means you're going to see 50 overs of quality batting. Uh, I don't know what happened was, but they weren't in the mood, um, the West Indies, uh, to play ball in that regard. So they stuck us under bat. 
rolled us for about 120 in a very short space of time. Uh, and then uh, they uh, basically set about with Greenwich and Haynes, Gordon Greenwich and Desmond Haynes, about chasing the runs. They only had four people left at the ground. By the time they'd finished bowling us out and had lunch, they left. Uh, they were that confident they were going to chase it down. They only had four people at the ground. Wow. That was... And uh, they got them none down. They had the number three batsman wasn't even sitting there with his pads on. It was quite, it was quite embarrassing to be perfectly honest. It's almost to be insulting. absolutely man, manhandled like that. But that was the power of the West Indies back then, and they absolutely took us apart. Good memories of Pukakura Park, and I hope for those people in uh, Taranaki and and um, and those people that want to go there that uh, there will be more of them going forward. Eleven nineteen here on SENZ. The Louis Herman Watt this morning. A bit of review of yesterday and uh, the Tangerine Army were in force yesterday uh, at the Talpo races, uh, Louis. Um, uh, and I guess um, it was a lot of uh, interest in a lot of races because of what's coming up, more so than what was happening yesterday. Yeah, it's a, always a really good meet to use as a reference point, a form meet throughout the spring, Smithy. And no doubt we're going to see plenty of winners coming out of there that are going to go and kick on to some good things. What? <laughs> I tell you what, though, yeah, it was it was Mark Walker and and Shaw uh, Tiaka. I suppose Tangerine was a hint of Waikato stud with uh, outfit and Savita mm. was both as well winning. But what about your old mate Johnny Barry pulling out best seller, who just quietly ran in behind Maven Bell in the Matamata Slipper. I'm pretty sure and did run some good races at two year olds, but in that stacked three year old Phillies race. Well, she came swooping. They set a decent pace up front. She really pricked the ears on the line, and Sam spread it. She let her down on the line, I think. Um, so she's beaten Sons Doot, who I think we can all agree didn't lose any favours and she's gonna or any admirers, and she's going to kick on to good things. I've got a big rep on her. So, hey, maybe Johnny Barry's found himself another one, Smithy. He might have. Uh, let's look for that over the spring carnival. Uh, he's uh, pretty bullish about um, winning another Group 1 at some stage down the line too. Don't worry about that. Uh, Louis, hey, look, uh, Rickerton uh, Park Synthetic today. Yes, Rickerton Park Synthetic. And how's this for a stat from Ian Rodley? Does a fantastic job today, Rodden. This is what he's come through for on the Rickerton's uh, polytrack. Now, they've had 62 race meets there. He's managed to find a couple of stats that are very interesting. Better than one in five winners have started from barrier one, which is the feeling I was getting, and better than one in three winners had led at the 400-meter mark. Now, punting synthetics, is, it's a bit of an art, I think, and a lot of that art is are you on the pace and is the pace genuine? If the pace is genuine and you're on the pace, well, there's a chance for one of the back markers to come into it. But if you're not... Well, to be honest, it's a slow pace. They usually just ping off these bouncy tracks and, and head away and win. Now, we were tipped one by the Didham boys this morning, which has, at the best of the day, and it's got barrier one and it's got gate speed. It's run very quick times in the sprint in race number five. It's been running quick times, and if it runs those times again from barrier one, first rock should not be caught. So you know at $2.20 at the moment, the stable says that the horse as well, the mere... The old rock mirror as well. The barrier suggests she could do it. She seems to have the right attributes. She's in the form. So I think she can make it three on the trot today. Race number five, number four, first rock. 
Okay, and uh, being Thursday, of course, we can now have a, a decent look at uh, the weekend's racing, which includes at Tarapa, the Waikato Stud Foxbridge Plate, which is uh, Group 2 status. Uh, at the moment, uh, the money is saying Imperatrice very, very tough to beat, although uh, there's good support too for uh, Butler out of the Alex Sharrick stable, Alan Sharrick stable. Yeah, so so Al's come here with a three-prong attack, and they've all taken money. Darcy LaBella, last start, Puggy track just right it off. It was just a nightmare. It never never went well in the Open Aki Cup. Um, she's she's well and she's got a good barrier draw. And again, if she's close enough, she's got a wicked turn of foot. Tavi Mack, well, we know he's succeeded in this race before. Interestingly enough, with Tavi Mack, he's never lost fresh up ever. Four from four. So, what does that tell you? Um, he's got to be a chance. It's just he's been out of form. He he had some injuries, so. Are you willing to give him a chance? And then Butler at $3.80 is the clear second pick. But I don't know, Smithy. I mean, there's every chance Imperatrice comes out here. This would make it five wins in a row for Imperatrice. She had 11 starts. She's won eight of them. I remember when Jamie Richards tipped her to me back on New Year's Day a few years ago uh, as a two-year-old and just said, hey, she has got a wicked turn of foot. And I don't necessarily know how heavy it has to be to slow her down because she gets through it. She can go on good. She's a bit like Avon Dalge and Melody Bell. She gets through anything. And Tiako have made a really good habit of having these four-year-old mares ready for this carnival, the spring carnival. So a dollar ninety is probably fair enough. I mean, back something else to beat her. I'm going to back Tavi Mac to beat her. But at the same time, every chance she comes out and wins, and and so she should at a dollar a dollar ninety. What did you make of Catalyst Trial going into uh, this start? Because uh, resuming for Tony Pike, Troy Harris, 58 and a half. Uh, generous in the market at the moment, but uh, what do they say about form and class? Yeah, permanent Smithy. And for him, it's just all how sound he is. And, and look, his trials have been quiet because they're trying to keep him sound. But to be honest, his class has oozed out in those trials and he's still a very stylish galloper. The only thing about Catalyst, if it's too wet, don't expect him to start which means if you're playing into this market, you're not going to copy any deductions, remember, from tab.co.nz, which is really good. But I think I'd just be wary with Catalyst. Let's see him go around, and then let's see if we can get him second up into the Tarzino Trophy. And uh, it'll be a massive achievement to even get him there. But I think he'll be better around uh, with a run under his belt. Okay, Louis Herman, what there? Thanks, Louis. Uh, Have a terrific day. Successful on the punt, I hope. Uh, it is uh, just about time for news with Araha. Uh, we're now also inviting you to call on 0800 because it's time to play uh, Stump Smithy. $50 worth of uh, TAB voucher up for grabs. Uh, that is what you're playing for this morning. Uh, when you call, you'll be speaking to uh, Joey uh, on the panel. So uh, be nice to Joey. He's a sensitive young man. Uh, and then, of course, um, our uh, quiz master today will be the one and only Man for all seasons, Ricardo Ball. But in the meantime, here is the news with Araha. Oh, oh, 
yourself. Breaking news theme. Breaking news, Ricardo. What have you got for us? The All Black team. The All Black team has been announced, which, oh, right. which is, I think, earlier than we were expecting it. But here it is for you. This is the uh, match day 23 for the first test against the Pumas, kicking seven off 7.45 Saturday night in Christchurch. Uh, Ethan De Groot, Samasoni Tokiahau, and Tyrell Lomax are your front row. Sam Whitelock, Scott Barrett are your locks. Shannon Frizzell, Sam Kane is captain at open side, Adi Savia at eight. Aaron Smith is in the nine jersey. Richie Mawanga holds on to the ten jersey. Caleb Clark and Will Jordan are your wings. The midfield is David Harvili and Rico Yuani. Geordie Barrett is at fullback. There is no Bowden Barrett. He is out of the squad altogether. Uh, Cody Taylor is the reserve hooker. George Bauer, Fletcher Newell, the reserve props. Tupu Vai'i, the reserve lock. Akira Yuani uh, covers the Lucys off the bench. And then uh, Finlay Christie, Stephen Petafeta and Quintu Pyre make up the rest of the bench. Wow, that is an interesting squad. I'm just um, off the top of my head thinking that's unchanged, that 15 um, that started against the Springboks. And uh, the big change, of course, then the big opportunity comes for uh, Stephen Petafeta. A lot of people are saying he deserves a chance. Well, he'll get one off the bench. There's no uh, two ways about that. And, of course, he can cover a number of positions in the back line, so he's a perfect utility replacement. So the people of Taranaki will be very, very happy uh, with that. OK, uh, Stephen Perifetta, um, yeah, good, a good selection. Uh, we'll come back with that uh, a little bit later in the, in the uh, half hour as well, uh, maybe talk to Staffy about that before midday as well. But uh, in the meantime, we've got something else uh, to do, another bit of business to take care of, Ricardo. Indeed we do, Smithy. It is time for Stumped uh, with Smithy, or Stumped by Smithy, and uh, we, we've got Way Kerry. Sorry, we've got Kerry on the phone. G'day, Kerry. How are you, mate? Yeah, hey, guys. Morning. All right, Kerry, here are your options, mate. This is uh, what we're looking at for uh, our, our Stumped questions today. You have got these categories to choose from. You can go the English Premier League current season, you can go tennis, or you can go All Blacks Pumas. Uh, I'll go tennis. He's going to go the tennis, Smithy. How's he tennis, yeah, Smithy? Yeah, tennis. No, not great. Not Absolutely great. Absolutely not great. Outs, outside the grand, uh, the grand slams, as such, um, not a lot of knowledge there. And I'm, I'm not, too, I'm, I'm not too bad with names, but years and results and that, not too big. Not All right. too big on those. So Kerry's the favourite here going into this. All right, fifty dollar TAB voucher up for grabs, Kerry. First question, mate. How many grand slam titles did Pete Sampras win? Oh no. Um, 18. One of the worst things I have oh. ever seen done on a cricket field. No, not 18, oh Smithy. My God, I was going to say that myself, the exact <laughs> number. So it's got to be around that if uh, Kerry says it's 18. Oh, I've got to say 19. One of the worst things I have ever seen done Jesus. on a cricket field. A little bit less, gentlemen. 14. 14 Grand Slam titles for Pete Sampras. Okay. All right. Righty eight. Question number two, Kerry. You still you still got that $50 TRB voucher. still yours at the moment. Smithy hasn't been able to stump you. What year did New Zealander Chris Lewis make the final of Wimbledon? Ooh. I think that might have been 81. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, have you got this one? I am jubilant because uh, I was in England at the time um, on a cricket tour and I can tell you uh, we had to stop the bus to watch this. 1983. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. 
Un- unlucky, Kerry. Unlucky, mate. You, as Smithy has whipped your bales off. He certainly <laughs> has. You're, you're unlucky there because uh, we were. We were on tour there and uh, we, the reception on the TV wasn't great when the bus was going. So uh, we ordered the bus driver to pull over and we sat on the side of the road for quite some time to watch uh, Chris Lewis in action. Uh, tremendous semi-final. A tremendous semi-final, and uh, the name of his opponent uh, just slips my mind at the moment, but it'll come back to me. What's uh, who's next? Uh, we have got Wade next. G'day, Wade. How you doing? Morning, guys. Good. Yeah, Wade's in Christchurch. You going to the test, mate? Doesn't seem like it's sold out. Uh, do you know anyone that's going? Oh, I've got a few boys that are going. Yeah, not going myself personally, but um, unless someone's got a free ticket for me. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> Putting it out there, just let us know. If you do, Wade will take it off your hands. Uh, uh, Wade, uh, how's your tennis knowledge? Uh, average. Average. Okay. Well, a $50 TRB voucher could be yours if you can answer this question. Roger Federer's last Grand Slam win was the Australian Open in 2018. Who did he beat in the final? The other Swiss fellows. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. To be fair, that's not the worst guess, but it's not can right. You just tell, can you just re, re, uh, redo the question for me just momentarily, thanks? Sure. Roger Federer's last Grand Slam win was the Australian Open in 2018. Who did he beat in the final? Right, OK. Who did he beat in the final? Did he beat one of the big boys? Sentimentally, did he beat one of the big boys? Did he beat Novak Djokovic? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. This was a difficult one. He beat Marin Cilic, who's not a name that springs to mind. I'll, gra- I'll, no. I'll grant you that. But, uh, hey, Wade, uh, you timed your run beautifully, mate. You didn't get the question right, but you still got yourself a $50 TAB voucher. What are you, what are you putting it on this weekend? Well, I must be one of the local boys in the test match, actually. Maybe a power play with some of the local boys. Some of the Crusader lads. Put it in your... Fu- you could put it in your and you get it in your phone account. Go and get a withdrawal and put it towards a, towards a ticket. Well, I want enough of my tickets. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I like I like your positive thinking, Wade. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, congratulations. Stay on the line, and uh, Joey will get your details. We'll get their money to you as soon as, mate. Thank you. Well done. Cheers, thing. There you go, Wade. Okay, uh, that was Wade there. Go, Wade, the winner, and um, Kevin Curran. Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming in, uh, Dino and uh, Anthony. Kevin Curran, he beat in a classic semi-final, Chris Lewis, um, and probably at that point played his final up against John McEnroe, of course, and uh, John McEnroe was uh, way too good for him on that occasion. But to see a New Zealander, a New Zealander in uh, a Centre Court men's final was something to be uh, really, really um, an amazement of it was a, a special special time for tennis in this country. Uh, 11.41 here. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, some text to read out, uh, and then we'll get to, towards Staffy at midday. Fine rocking in the free world. It's 11.46 here on SENZ, and uh, you've been very good on the text line this morning, and I thank you for that. So uh, let's read some out, shall we? Uh, Shannon has come in and said, Hey, Smithy, I think the All Blacks need a rugby league defensive coach. Look at the Irish, the English, the French. All have defence coaches from a rugby league background. Brad Thorne would be awesome if he was our all-black defensive coach. Yeah, I really enjoyed the chat, um, uh, Shannon, with uh, David Kidwell. And just looking at uh, the things he's looking at, he was quite open in terms of technique, etc. Um, and the two uh, attacking lines looking to defend those. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, what he's come up with here. Of course, they did a pretty good job um, in the second test match against the Wallabies. 
will they be able to do the same thing and shut down the All Blacks at Christchurch on uh, Saturday night? And don't forget, folks, it's a later kickoff time, not 7.05, it's 7.45 because of uh, the glorious Saturday afternoon of international rugby coming your way. Um, Ian has said, Morena Smithy, uh, Morena to you, Ian. I hope they pick the same 23 that rolled the box at Alice Park. Only changes I'd love to see as well, Jordan to 15, Sevi Reese to 14, Geordie Barrett on the bench covering 12 and 15. Well, you nearly got your wish, uh, Ian. It's uh, the same. Uh, it's not the same 23. It's the uh, same 22 of 23 with Stephen Perafeta coming in, of course, with Bowden Barrett out. But uh, they've uh, kept Will Jordan on the wing, uh, of course, and kept Geordie Barrett at 15. So you nearly got your way. Uh, Smithy sounds like Kidwalk should have been snapped up by the Warriors to replace Justin Morgan as defensive coach. Yeah, interesting theory that, but now, uh, of course, he's gone to greener pastures, and uh, that, I, ma- I would imagine, um, would be the ultimate challenge at the moment, being the, the Warriors' defensive coach. And uh, if you could uh, get that in line, then I think uh, you'll have a big, big tick and a big item on your resume. Morning, Smithy. Uh, it was great to hear uh, Didham, the name Didham mentioned uh, in the 9.30 Sports News. Les Didham was a great jockey. But his brother Mitch Didham was the star of the family. Midge, uh, Midge Didham rode uh, winners of the Wellington Cup, the Auckland Cup, two Caulfield Cups and the Mooney Valley Cup, the Turnbull Stakes and his biggest ride, of course, the Grey Horse Baghdad Note in the 1970 Melbourne Cup. It's heartwarming to see the Didham name is still active in the industry. Carlos, couldn't agree with you more. Terrific servants of the racing industry. Uh, thanks for the text too, by the way. I'm worried about Kane. I'm worried about Kane, says Kevin. Where is he at? Always injured. Can't seem to hit the ball past square. Um, it seems to have lost everything. The fact of the matter, Kevin, he, he really just hasn't played. Uh, I mean, most batsmen, it doesn't matter how damn good you are, and he's top of the ladder. Um, you know, you t- you, the, the great saying in cricket in terms of batting is you've got to have time in the middle. He hasn't had any. He would have uh, been better for three outings against um, the West Indies, but of course uh, he got injured in another area, um, and uh, you know that is a concern. But he wasn't able to spend time in the middle. He battled through, and by the time uh, three games had gone to pass, uh, he, he would have been a much better player. But now, of course, he's going to have to go back to square one, uh, and that will be against Australia in Cairns. So uh, I'm worried about him too. Uh, I'm worried about it because I just love watching him, watching him bat, and uh, I, I just kind of feel. Um, you know that um, without him we're, we're pushing it we are pushing it particularly against Australia thank God he's there for the Chapel Hadley uh, Hi Smithy uh, watching cricket on the grass terraces at Pukakura Park was part of my upbringing I remember watching Central Districts playing Australia back there in the 80s with all the Aussie stars and the CD team with the likes of Crow and Great Batch we can't lose it says Carl we simply cannot lose it uh, and um, uh, Bring an Argentina, here's a good one, bring an Argentina versus All Blacks game to Whangarei. Whangarei, great stadium, holds um, without temporary seating 70,500, so it could easily set, get up to 20,000 there, another 2,500. It would go off like a house on fire up here about seven or eight years ago. Whangarei Council declined an offer from New Zealand Rugby to host this exact All Black match due to the cost of hosting. I couldn't believe it when I heard that source of this info, actually former Northland Rugby CEO. Uh, so an opportunity missed, but of course, uh, don't forget, up there you're getting a truckload, a truckload of women's rugby because you're one of uh, three venues. One of three venues, of course, uh, will host the Women's Rugby World Cup, uh, which is not too far away. 11.51 here on SENZ, and staff is not far away either. Oh, yeah.
Well, we've been fed uh, courtesy of Ricardo Ball, a veritable smorgasbord of music this morning, which has been absolutely fantastic, and uh, we've had texts to that effect as well. Also got one here from uh, Scotty. Morning, Smithy. Where have you guys been hiding? I just happened to surf channels and came across the cricket commentary, New Zealand against the West Indies. As an avid sports radio listener, I very much miss a radio sport. So glad there is radio sports I can listen to now. Well, Scotty, you stay listening, and uh, between 12 and 4 this afternoon, you'll be listening to this man, Mark Stafford. And Staffy, um, I guess you'll be talking a little bit about uh, the naming of uh, the All Black squad, which sees uh, Stephen Perafetta likely to get a cap off the bench. Yeah, and good on him too. I mean, it's it's kind of... I sort of feel fortunate that I didn't work last week because I'm talking about exactly the same team as last week, but I wasn't here. <laughs> so I'm talking about this team for the first time. It must have, oh, I don't know if there was an appetite for change or an appetite for the same. Um, there's still some talking points in there, Smithy. Uh, I, I do wonder if Bowden Barrett was fully fit, what that 10 situation would have been. But I'm happy that uh, Richie Moonga gets to play at home. I think he would have played at home. I, I think mm. he would have, to be perfectly honest. I, I think Bowden Barrett would have, uh, unfortunately, for Stephen Perifetta. But no, now it's, uh, it's fortunate for him. Um, and uh, Ricardo and I were just talking about it off air, actually. Um, what about Roger Tuavasa Sheik? I mean, without knowing or talking to the guy, what, what advancement has he made during this, uh, this period? Can we talk about communication and transparency from the New Zealand Rugby Union again? We have no idea. We have absolutely no idea. And I remember a little while ago, Smithy, in a previous job, I tried to uh, get him. Actually, no, in this job, I tried to get him to come on the radio and they just, I heard back from the media manager, he's not doing any media. So I just went to a friend of mine in the Blues organisation. I said, why is that? And he said, mate, he loves doing media. He loves doing media. They don't even go to him. So I'd love to talk to Roger. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.